episode three. We're going to start um, a new little series here. We're going to go start doing um, position group rankings, top five and bottom five for each um, for each position group, top five teams and bottom five teams. Um, but So we're going to start with the offensive line. That's where the game starts and finishes, so we'll start there with our, our rankings. But before we get into that, there's a little bit of news circulating in the uh, um, out of the Falcons camp. They are still heavily considering and kind of want to move on from Julio Jones. So I wanted to see um, what your thoughts on that were, Caleb, and kind of what you could see happening um, as far as where Julio Jones could play next year. Yeah, um, so I mean, if you're just looking at it purely from a cap uh, point of view, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously his cap hit is that of a top five wide receiver, which he deserves. Um, I guess the only thing I'm kind of curious about is, you know, you draft a Kyle Pitts instead of a quarterback. Um, So you're clearly trying to win now in Matt Ryan's last few years, and I don't know if there is – another free agent acquisition that you would be using his cap hit to get uh, that helps him win more now than um, Julio does. So I feel like if they were going to trade Julio, they should have taken a quarterback. If Now, if they didn't like the fourth best quarterback in the class, then that changes things a little bit. But um, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, I'm not sure if he warrants a – I mean, obviously his talent – warrants a first round pick in return um but you know with his cap hit his age he's been injured the past couple seasons so it'll be interesting <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm really interested to see where he ends up um as far as what you said about him not or them not going after a quarterback kind of shows that they want to try and win with the group they have um you can kind of win. Like, they already have Calvin Ridley, so Calvin Ridley's going to end up just moving into that number one role, and he, mm-hmm. he deserves that. He's earned that, um, being the number two to Julio Jones. And that just moves uh, the other guys up the depth chart a little bit, and you can kind of just plug and play. Like, you don't need – like. You don't need to get a top free agency or a free agent to fill that role of Julio Jones. You just need to um, make sure that your other wide receivers, who played fairly well last year, are ready to to kind of take on more responsibility. And um, like, it's not hard to find receiver talent anymore in the NFL. You have second rounders like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, those kind of guys, they just come into the, the, uh, NFL their rookie year and kind of put up 900 receiving yards or 10 touchdowns or whatever it is. So it's not hard to find wide receiver talent anymore. So maybe that's their thought process behind it is that they don't have to really worry about, um, the production they lose with Julio Jones. Cause they already have Calvin Ridley, who's just going to get more production and, uh, than what he's put up. And then, uh, they, they already have a group of uh, players that don't that don't show seem like they're gonna be a like they, they already sh- have shown potential and promise you know what I mean yeah and and Calvin Ridley being there's like this would not be a conversation of he did no. not break out last year like he did um, so yeah I mean I mean we'll just have to see I you know I like Julio and Matt Ryan has historically played significantly better when 
Julio's on the field as any quarterback would. Um, so, you know, maybe they feel like adding Kyle Pitts will give Matt Ryan enough options to uh, run that offense the same regardless of whether or not he's there. Um, but it'll, it'll be fun to see where he ends up. My hope is uh, personally Kansas City. I don't, I don't know if they have enough to give up for him, but they have been aggressive, and uh, that would be fun to watch. Well, uh, Kansas City, that would be a good one because they were um, they were courting Juju in the offseason trying to get him to, mm-hmm. to come over to uh, Kansas City and make that insane receiver core even better. But another interesting spot would maybe be Green Bay. Try try and mend the the relationship issues with Aaron Rodgers. Be like, hey, we're gonna go get you Julio Jones. Why don't you come back and play for us this year? You know what I mean? Yeah, I uh, I saw that somewhere on Twitter. I think somebody um brought that up. That I mean, it goes everything against their front office believes, and you know, I, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't uh, be leaving if they made moves like the, this. I'll tell you that. But um, right, maybe as a last ditch olive branch, he convinces them to change their ways a little bit. It'd certainly be fun to watch, you know. It would be. Those are the two best quarterbacks in the league's league we talked about, Russell or um sorry, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So either one of them throw into a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Another all Hall right, of man, Fame wide don't, receiver. Don't, don't disrespect Tom Brady, all right? He's he won a Super Bowl this year. I'll disrespect Tom Brady every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so um, moving on from Julio and whenever whenever a top receiver like that's in the um, in the limelight, we're going to definitely bring them up, even if it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about this week. So, so um, we should be talking about Tim Tebow then, too, right? Oh, yeah, Tim Tebow for sure. Oh, That's such a we, – we, I mean, we kind of talked about how we disagree with what Jacksonville is doing right now anyway, but that's just a dumb move. I don't get it. I, he's going to be, what, the third string tight end? I, I don't think he'll make the roster. I, if you no. look on NFL.com, he's already a top five jersey seller for some that, reason. Yeah, so that, I, with a team that has the, probably one of the lowest incomes of the 32 teams, I have to imagine that that is one of the only reasons why. It has to be. Like, he, the dude's, what, 33, 34? Like, tight ends are kind of rearing their, – their career is kind of on the backslope by that age. So yeah. – and he's just now getting into the position. What what is he's not going to? And didn't he try to play uh, tight end in New York? And how did that go? Uh, they used him as a wildcat, and uh, there's a very famous play of it's the only reception target he's or only target he's ever had, I believe. Uh, I could be off on that, but I I think that's true. Um, and Mark Sanchez, Mark franchise. Mark Franchise. Throws it right at his face, and it just bounces off his fucking face mask and never saw it. Jeez. And he's now the he's now on the roster for Jacksonville ten years later. As a tight end to catch <laughs> passes. Yeah, that's a move I don't think many people agree with. You should go hear Chris Sims' thoughts on it because it's there's some pretty uh, uh, it's uh, a half hour long roast session basically. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, so moving on from that uh, dumpster fire, let's look at what um, the offensive line looks like for throughout the uh, top five and bottom five teams this year. Um, you gave me your list earlier this week, so I'll have you go ahead and start with your bottom five. Uh, who who are they, and in what order do you have them? All right, so um, at the very bottom, number thirty-two, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, now, I'm 
I'm trying not to overproject rookies, um, rookies from last year and young players developing just because you know, some develop, but some also never do, and they're just busts. So I'm not going to predict which ones do that. Um, they have three um, all, three rookies this last season on their offensive line, so obviously they were you know they are going to have growing pains, um, and I you know they will probably finish above 32 this year. Um, it just depends on their schedule, and you know if they face a ton of top 10 pass rushers, then they'll probably be back down here. Um, but just the way they played last year against teams that were not great against or not great rushing the passer. Um, it was just it was it was very bad, and they need at least two of these guys to develop into quality starters for it to um, be anywhere close to a decent offensive line, which very well could happen. But you know, offensive line is one of those position groups where you have to be able to communicate, and chemistry is incredibly important. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, they kind of get stereotyped as being big dumb guys, but you know, you have to know when to shed when to dump your block to pick up a blitzer when to stay on your block and hope somebody else gets it so chemistry is important and um you know they'll get better they're they're young and and this will be their first year playing or first full season full off season when and whatnot um playing together but just with how they go pick up um matt scura like a yeah their center the kind of get some uh experience on that offensive line to kind of help mold these young players yeah he yeah so he's there uh he's their center obviously he's the only person who has played more than one year in the nfl on their offensive line um their left tackle right guard and right tackle last year um all were rookies and then obviously they got liam eikenberg this year in the draft i i, I expect he'll probably switch over to right tackle at some point but so you know it's it's going to take time i don't know if that if that if they're going to progress that much this year, especially with two more new people on the line, but um, they're probably fine for the future. You just got to let it develop, but I don't expect it to be great this year. My, I'm kind of interested in how their left tackle Austin Jackson kind of develops. He's uh, played really well at USC um, a couple years ago, so I I am interested to see how he and Tua kind of build the chemistry between the two because having your left tackle and your quarterback be on the same page is incredibly important for for, uh, the success of your offense so those two that chemistry that's kind of if those two don't build a chemistry I don't see the Austin I don't see Jackson building chemistry with the rest of the 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 line because like he's kind of the one that him and Matt Skura are the two that kind of are the leaders on that offense just by their position right Mm -hmm. so I've I feel like that that those two really if if those two start to click together with with Tua then that offensive line will de- will definitely um I feel like they'll be way above how where you're projecting them but at the same time to- at the same side of it you could definitely see them not clicking and being the worst offensive line this year yeah and and you know all these young players are drafted in the top four rounds so they obviously have a certain uh, bit of pedigree there um so well, you know, you just have to hope they develop, and if if they don't, then you're going to be a bottom five again for sure. Yep. Um, about, uh, Thirty-one. Yep. So there, I've got the Raiders, um, and this one, I you know, we talked about it a little bit beforehand. Um, this is probably the one I'm least confident in, um, because Colton Miller's a good left tackle. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say great, but you know, he's in the uh, fifteen to five range, probably in the league somewhere in there. Um, 
Richie Incognito has had a renaissance since he's gone there. Um, but their center and right guard are, you know, they're late round picks that have been backups on the roster for several years now. And, you know, they're expected to come up and uh, fill in the hole of one of the best centers in the league in Randy Hudson. Um, and then obviously they have Alex Ellerwood, who they overdrafted a little bit. Um, yeah, we uh, listened to our last episode to hear our thoughts on him. <laughs> right. And, and I think he'll be okay, but... It, so, I mean, last year was considered a very good tackle class, and it ended up being so. But unless your name was um, <clears throat> Mackay Becton or um, Trista Wirfs, you had uh, you had kind of a bad season. Um, Jedrick Wills was okay, but he wasn't, you know, spectacular. He showed flashes, and that's all you really need to do your rookie year. But tackle is a lot harder to start out in than guard. <clears throat> guard, you know, you're going up against – it's more about physicality than technique so my reasoning behind putting the Raiders here is if Alex Leatherwood takes time to develop which I expect he will and Richie Cognito falls off at all and you know he's he's getting old he's going to at some point then all of a sudden you're looking at an offensive line with only one good piece and while the left tackle is I think the second most important position on the offense you know he can't be the only one playing offensive line for you Right, and that's, I mean, going off of the idea that the left tackle is the second most important position, that's why you see teams that they're all, like, they could have some solid talent on the other four positions, but unless they have a good left tackle, that offensive line's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of the one that knows how the quarterback likes to run the offense. They're the one that is there to really anchor the, the, protection for them and like using the Seahawks as an example you go from your their Super Bowl runs where they had Russell Okung over there and he was one of the best left tackles in the NFL during those two three years and as soon as he left the that offensive line went from literally the best offensive line to the worst offensive line until Mm -hmm. they went and picked up uh Dwayne Brown and even when he got there he was a, a trade deadline pickup so they had to kind of get them in there and then wait till the next season to see how that anchor really developed for that line. Like without a solid offensive or a left tackle, then um, your offensive line, it doesn't matter how talented they are. They're just not going to be on the same page as the quarterback. Yeah. And, and you know, this is kind of why I love football above other sports. You know, it's, it's truly a team game. You know, you can have a great left tackle and a terrible rest of the offensive line and it's not going to work and but you know like you said if four out of your five offensive linemen are good but the most important position is you know terrible then it falls apart so you really need to have a lot of depth to be successful (laughs) yep um what about your 30th offensive line yep so there you have the houston texans um honestly kind of a similar situation to the raiders they have they had some good uh, free agent signings this offseason. They brought in uh, Justin Britt and Marcus Cannon, play center and right tackle respectively. And, you know, they're good, solid veterans um, who played, you know, really well for their um, for their older teams. I know Marcus Cannon was a staple on the Patriots line for a good while, but um, it's, it's just what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, those guys are getting up there in age, and I believe they both opted out last season as well, so <clears throat> we're not sure what they're going to look like. Um, and then, again, just the whole chemistry thing. Any offensive line with three or four new starters is going to take a 
take a good bit to gel into the season. And not to mention they have they're going to have some chemistry issues with their quarterback because we don't even know who the starter is going to be in week one, let alone um, – or I guess we just don't know where Deshaun Watson's going to end up and what's going on with him. So that's going to definitely affect the uh, the offensive line for for the Texans. Yeah, and it's going to. I'm kind of curious to see if this team even buys into what their uh, front yeah. office is trying to sell. You know, these older guys they might just be going there because it's you know the last chance they had to play in the league. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to take that situation seriously. So we'll see if if the players agree there. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to say the least to see what what the Texans trot out onto the field this year. I expect them to be um, uh, even with Deshaun Watson playing. I expect them to be probably. Uh, I would say I would put money on them being the worst team in the NFL, and that's uh, like. I know that's a hard thing to swallow, but like, there's so many questions about who their quarterback is, what they're doing with their GM. <laughs> that's kind of a hot take, but like, I don't know. It's just it feels not good in Houston. Like, it's just Houston. We have a problem. You know what I mean? And I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm. They've got a pastor running the team. Like, yeah. You know, take aside your religious beliefs. It's a business, and it should be a front office based on the merit of football, and it doesn't seem like it is. And I know they haven't been on the news recently uh, for it, but he, you know, he still works there, so I expect he still has a good bit of say. And yeah, it's yeah. gonna be. Uh, we'll see if. I, if I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. If if they didn't have Laramie Tunsil, you know, they would easily be number thirty-two. But I think he's a top ten left tackle, so yeah, he's Laramie Tunsil is really turned it on yeah he's the he's the only one keeping this thing i, I mean 30 is not really respectable but it's not the bottom right i and it, i kind of feel bad for tonsil because he gets traded from the Dol- dolphins and when he gets traded from the dolphins it feels like that was a i mean they got a lot for him so they kind of got a they got a king's ransom but tonsil has developed into quite the offensive or the left, left tackle and if he was the left tackle for the the dolphins I I could see the Dolphins really having a top half offensive line this year. Not to say not nothing against Austin Jackson, but like he's just unexperienced and young. Whereas Tunsil, he knows how the NFL works now, and he's kind of been through the rounds in his first few seasons um, with the the Texans. Yeah, I mean, if Miami ends up winning a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, I. That trade's going to go down as one of the best in NFL history. Absolutely. And just Absolutely. the value they've milked out of that is incredible between trading yeah, back it's, and. It's kind of insane how they did it. And I, Brian Flores, I think, is a really, really good head coach. Um, so the the Dolphins, even though they have question marks around their offensive line, the rest of their, their roster really doesn't have questions. They have a stellar defense, mm-hmm. and they've really built an, a receiver core for Tua. So. That team is going to be um, one of the more interesting headlines going throughout the season this year, and really how they they compete with the the, the Bills in the AFC East. Um, looking at an NFC East team, who you got at twenty nine? Uh, so I've got the New York Giants, and um, they're kind of in the same vein of the Dolphins here. Um, I have them ranked four spots higher or three spots higher because. The difference of competition they faced last year, the Dolphins, like I said, you know, the NFC East, pretty much every team in there struggled to get after the passer last year 
or I'm sorry, AFC East. Um, whereas in the NFC East, you know, you're looking at three of the top 10 pass rushing teams in there. Um, and the Giants were one of them, so they only had to face two. But, you know, just looking at their schedule, they played a lot of... They didn't, they didn't, the Cowboys are not good. <laughs> no, no, no. The Eagles in Washington are some of the best pass rushing teams. So they had to go against that. And, you know, like we talked about earlier with tackles, having a hard time developing. Um, Andrew Thomas had a real rough start to the season, but... You know, after the head coach allegedly fought the offensive line coach and they got a new guy in there, he uh, <clears throat> started to get better. So I expect they'll develop, but again, it's, you know, hard to predict how much better a rookie is going to get. Will Hernandez hasn't really pa- uh, panned out how they wanted. Um, they've got Nate Solder at right tackle who has not been the same player since he came from New England. So the Giants are actually one of my favorite teams to watch coming up this next season, but, you know, a People say, and and I agree to, um, for the most part, that Daniel Jones, you know, this is it. This is your last chance. But they're not really giving a lot of help along the offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see if any of these guys uh, develop. If if Andrew Thomas takes a step and Will Hernandez can kind of um, approach an average level of guard play, then their offensive line might end up being okay. Yeah, we'll kind of hit on the the Daniel Jones thing here a little bit, but I I agree. Um, Andrew Thomas, I think he is a, a, a good talent, and he's really has the potential to be a, a top left tackle in, the, in this league. But it's just kind of a question mark right now. He hasn't, he didn't come into the uh, into the league really showing that potential this last year, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he, he can um, really start to live up to it and um, help his his old buddy Daniel Jones there behind him to, <laughs> to kind of get that offense on the right track uh, going into this year and having hopefully having Saquon come back will help, will help them kind of give two si- or complementary offense and kind of you can approach the game two different ways and not have to really worry about the one getting shut down and if it does you can just fall back on the other so um, it'll be it'll be quite interesting if the uh the what the giants do on the offensive line this year yeah and and you know i talked earlier about how good the offensive tackle class last year was in the draft and and he was number one and i believe he was a top five pick if i'm not mistaken so the upside's definitely there for him he's just got to put it together yeah he's, he's got to really put in the work and show that that pick was worth it for the giants um and then your final your final one in the bottom five who you got a 28 uh, so in this one, I've got the uh, Carolina Panthers. It's, you know, the best player on their offensive line is right tackle, and he's a damn good right tackle. But, you know, like we talked about earlier, <clears throat> if you don't have a good left tackle, then the whole line kind of falls apart. Um, and to be honest, they don't have a good left tackle or a uh, great interior. Um, Matt Paratus was a – he was a free agent signing a couple years ago. I believe he was coming from Denver and – he played much better in Denver than he has in Carolina. So, um, you know, Pat Alfine had an okay end of the year last year with the Jets. So we'll see if he can add anything. But again, no chemistry going in. Um, and none of these players really performed at an above average level last year. So I'm just projecting, you know, say what you will about Teddy Bridgewater. I've, you know, I've as a fan of the Jets and the Vikings, I've watched both of these quarterbacks, and he gets the ball out a lot quicker than Sam Darnold does. Um, and so I feel like Sam Darnold's going to sh- reveal a lot of flaws in this offensive line this next line or this next year. So um, we'll see. But 
you know, Taylor Moton's okay. Pat Alfine and Matt Paradis are both just a little bit below average, so that's why they're not at the very bottom bottom, but I don't expect that they will uh, play great this year. Yeah, and I, I don't really know a whole lot about the, the Panthers. I don't follow them that well, but this kind of feels like, the way you're explaining it, it kind of feels like the first of these four teams that they don't have much of a potential to be better than the bottom five. Right. It kind of just feels like going into this year, this team is, you can just pencil them in as being a bottom five uh, line, uh, having bottom five line play this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, no, no young guys, no big free agency signings. So I'd say, um, yeah, the upside is definitely limited. And that, I kind of am confused why they didn't, or they, why they allowed Rashawn Slater to get by him in the draft, knowing that they needed offensive line play. Um, I mean, the other defense was, wasn't was great either, but they went and got a quarterback, and then they picked up his fifth-year option, and then they they uh, got some more help on the outside for, for him. So why not also add more help to the – quarterback that you're investing in and picking up that fifth year option for I that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me um it you gotta kind of build your team in phases right so you you focus on one and then once that that one is good then you focus on the other and it feels like they're trying to focus on both the offense and defense at the same time and it's it's hard to do that um but I mean we'll see yeah, so what was the name of the cornerback they drafted? I've got offensive line. J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, right. So if they had him as a tier above um, Rashawn Slater as far as just the position grouping and they felt like the cornerback was the last piece they needed for that defense, then I kind of get it. But, you know, again, you're going to get two years to evaluate Sam Darnold. You, know, you yeah. get this year and then you get the year after with his fifth-year option. And he's never had a good left tackle. Well, he's never had a great left tackle. Um <clears throat> So why would you not put everything into that investment? I mean, you gave up a second-round pick, which if you're a bottom-five team this year, that is a high-value pick. Lot. Yeah, that's basically another first-round pick. Yeah, you're going to get a first-round talent there because teams are going to reach on running backs or things like that. So I, I agree. I don't know why you don't go all in on protecting Sam Darnold and properly evaluating him. And, you know, if he doesn't work, Rashawn Slater will still be there for the next quarterback you go with. But right, I'll be curious. Right. Um. Okay, so we've kind of hit the, the, those five. So at 32, you have the Dolphins, 31, the Raiders, 30, the Texans, 29, the Giants, and then 28, the Panthers. Of those three teams, well, or of those five teams, three, possibly four with the Texans, um, have really have young quarterbacks that are in what we would consider a make-or-break season. That would be Tua uh, with the Dolphins. You have Daniel Jones with the Texans – or with the, the Giants, I'm sorry – and then Sam Donald, it's not really a make or break season, but like the next two seasons are going to dis- define his career. Uh, so, with, and he's with the Panthers. So, how how do you see these offensive lines really affecting those guys um, as far as their development goes and where where they'll be uh, playing next year or like in twenty twenty two? Yeah, well, so <clears throat> I think the one that has the best shot is Tua, and you know that's a little bit contradictory to. The Dolphins at 32, but I, I think their offensive line has the lowest floor on this page, but, you know, it also probably has the highest upside just because of how, how highly drafted all these players were. Um, right, right. And I don't, I don't think this is the last year for Tua. I think he gets one more year. Um, they're going to play well enough to not have another top five pick, and unless 
unless the Texans, you know, want to give them another top five pick, I don't think they're going to be in a position to draft quarterback this year. So Tua's got two years, I think, to build up chemistry with this offensive line that has, like I said, four players drafted in the top four rounds on it. Um, so that brings us to the Giants and Panthers. Yeah. Um, um, Daniel Jones, I I feel like he could almost get away with a bad offensive line a, a little bit with him because, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell looking at him, but the, the kid has wheels. He, he can move. He does. He does. I mean, if you uh, watch both watch both Eagle games last year, one of them he, he tripped before he got to the end zone. The other one he just he just scored the touchdown. He ran so. faster than his legs, yeah. Right. That was awesome to watch. So you can get away with that a little bit. I you know, and Joe Judge is a hell of a coach and that his style of coaching works particularly well in the trenches. Um <clears throat> So I, they might be okay. They'll be able to cover up a lot of flaws, uh, whereas I think it's the opposite with Sam Darnold. And, and he is athletic as well. Um, but, you know, his decisions aren't great. He doesn't, you know, he's antsy. The, you know, the Jets broke him. That was the pretty common saying last year. And it is we'll see if he's able to get some confidence back playing on this new team um, with a better coach than Adam Gase. But, you know, he's kind of squirmy in the pocket. Uh He'll throw it before he needs to, or he'll run out of the pocket before he needs to, and that's going to make this line look worse. So out of all these teams, I'd say uh, Sam Darnold's probably in the worst. Uh, out of the three that we were talking about, are probably in the worst. Um, and then obviously, you know, if the Texans get rid of um, Deshaun Watson, you know, we've seen him run for his life since he joined the league. So that's whoever nice fills too. in for him, whoever it is, is, you know. Going to have to run for their lives. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because going back to the the Panthers and saying that uh, Sam Darnold is really antsy and moves out of the pocket before he needs to. I mean, just moving out of the pocket in general and forcing your offensive line to to kind of be able to adapt on the fly like that is tough. It can take a lot of decent offensive lines and make them look really really bad just because. It's hard for those guys to to be able to sense behind them and see and uh, what the quarterback is doing and if they if they are moving out of the pocket. And a lot of times, by the the time the pocket is collapsed and he's moved out, there's not a whole lot that the the uh, the O line can do. So, um, yeah, and and that to me was the big difference um, with this quarterback draft class between you know the Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Justin Fields. You know, um, Zach Wilson can get out of the pocket and he does it really well. And he, you know, can do the Mahomesian throw from any angle or whatnot, but he likes to throw it and he likes to stay within the play of his offensive line until the last second. Whereas, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, because they are faster than most people on the team, they kind of rely on that. And, you know, like you said, it can throw off the offensive line and make it hard to play behind them. So there's two kinds of moving around the pocket there. And, you know, I feel like Sam Darnold definitely fits into the um, lower end with what I feel like he's Justin just Fields and Trey Lance. Yeah, he's just too antsy and get to get out of the, the the pocket, and he he really feels that pressure before he needs to be feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving to the other side of the spectrum, uh, we're going to look at the best teams and the uh, trenches. Who do you have in your top five? We'll start from five to one, just kind of get a little bit of uh, uh, hype for your number one team. Who do you got at number five? Yep. Um, 
so uh, five, I have the Colts. Um, I think that, and this kind of goes to what we were saying earlier, if, so if Eric Fisher, who they just signed, played a full 17 games now, they would easily be number two on this list. Um, and if, you know, he doesn't play any, I think very well could be a bottom 10, just for what we were talking about earlier. Left tackle is the most important. Um, but he tore his Achilles late last year, so I don't think he'll be back for a good minute. So this is a little bit of projection. Um, but if he shows up halfway through the season or just in time for the playoffs, their offensive line is going to be fine. Um, obviously, they have the left best uh, left left guard in the league in Quentin Nelson, in my opinion. Yeah, one of the best centers and um, Brian Kelly. Yep, and um, Braden Smith is I probably a top 10 right tackle he has his ups and downs but the big thing with these guys is, and you're going to see this as a theme throughout my top five just like you saw it as a theme through my bottom five chemistry is very important to me in the way that you build an offensive line so <clears throat> these guys have been playing together they have great upside if eric fisher comes in and is still the same player then this is easily the second best offensive line of the league in my opinion but if he loses a step or doesn't come back at all this year then you could see them fall pretty far yeah, the as we were talking about earlier, that left tackle play is incredibly important. So, um, with with Eric Fisher, they really have quite the group of um, that they've assembled over the years to protect Andrew Luck. But <laughs> he uh, pulled the rug out from underneath of him, so they had to, to kind of make do with what they had. And uh, it it sucks because. Andrew Luck was kind of hitting his prime when he decided to retire, and he, by that point, was really starting to get a good offensive line, and he just decided it wasn't worth it anymore after years and years of the Colts probably being ranked 32 um, as far as their offensive line play goes. So who, the, Luck's predecessor gets to reap the rewards of, of the Colts' hard work on, that, on the offensive line, and it's hopefully the – their left tackles issues aren't too much of a worry going into next year because they really do have a heck of an offensive line, a heck of protection for Carson Wentz. And I think having that protection really enables Wentz to be the player we saw um, in that year where he should have won the MVP and he, he ended up tearing his Achilles against the Rams or not his Achilles, his um, ACL against the Rams and kind of get to, to watch that, that type of player again because he was phenomenal that year he made some plays that you're just like how do you do that how does like even it's it's a struggle to see uh Patrick Mahomes make some of the plays that Carson Wentz made he was like there was one where he was playing against the Seahawks and he was like literally parallel to the ground he was getting sacked and he was he had no step in the throw and he just tossed it 80 yards like just sideways parallel to the ground tossed at 80 yards it's like how do you do that yeah uh, i you know we live in uh, ohio and sports betting isn't legal but if I, if I could make a bet this year it would it would probably be a bet for for him to win mvp just because the odds are so strong and like he uh, you know like you said he has been special and i would even argue that as early as two years ago the, that eagles team was not good and he dragged them to the playoffs it wasn't until this past yeah. year that his play really, really fell dropped off. off yeah um I, I definitely think that he's – if well, I don't know what the odds are. I haven't looked at them, but I would say he's the odds-on favorite to win comeback player of the year, like without question, except, except for maybe Julio Jones. But 
for Julio Jones, it's just because he didn't play much last year. Mm-hmm. For Carson Wentz, it'd be because he actually came back and played much, much better than he did the previous season. Yeah. So, um, number four, who you got? Uh, so here I got the 49ers. Um, they've got the best left tackle in the league. That's going to take you uh, quite. Uh, it's going to take you very high up the list on its own. I'm really kind of surprised at how well he played after the trade. Um, I, you know, he was over 30, and um, and it's Trent Williams. Um, I didn't say his name, but but you know, he he was incredible last year, and he earned the biggest contract I think a tackle's ever had. Um, and then you know, Mike McGlitchie's a decent right tackle, so the the bookends are the most important part. Um, your interior can slide a little bit if your tackles are good, and their tackles are are very good. Um, <clears throat> And everybody here has played together for a good bit now, except for um, they got a rookie right guard. So we'll see how he pans out. But again, if one guard is kind of iffy, then the rest of the line could pick him up. It's also really easy for a rookie to just slide into that offensive line that has that sort of experience and just soak it in like a sponge. So Yeah, and, and something I forgot to say when I was doing my bottom five, you know, I, I'm basing this personally just on the personnel some of these teams are going to play better than these rankings just because of the scheme fit or the coaching. The 49ers are going to look like the best offensive line in the league every time they play just because, you know, the way they zone block and the way they're coached, they open up a lot of big spaces for runs. Um, but just from a personnel standpoint, you know, I'd say they're, they're right around four. <clears throat> best left tackle and decent everywhere else. Yeah, I, I agree. Unfortunately, I agree with that being a Seahawks <laughs> fan. It's, it's, I mean, when you're in the NFC West, you got to have a good offensive line. So uh, you have probably four of the best – four of the top half pass rushes in that, that division. So um, you got to have a good offensive line or a quarterback mm-hmm. who can get away from the pass rush. Um, but going back to Trent Williams, I, I, I am also surprised that he played so well, um, not only because – he got traded and really just fit into that scheme really, really, really simply. But he also had – didn't he have cancer? He yeah. He was going, going through that as well, and he kind of – he overcame that. that. That's just tenacity right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, yeah, they're and, one of my teams that I'm kind of rooting for this year. I know, I know that will upset you, but you know, they're a good team to root for. I know you hate the Seahawks. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they're gonna be good, and um, hopefully, Jimmy G can kind of find a way to thrive. <laughs> it's hard to when you know your 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 days are limited, <laughs> but um, hopefully he can find a way to kind of get back on the right foot and find him play himself into a roster spot into a, a starting spot for another team uh, going into the twenty twenty two season. Um, number three. All right, so number three, I've got the Saints. Um, they've got probably the best tackle duo in the league. Um, Teron Armstead is a top 15 left tackle, and I think Ryan Ramschek is the, you know, just best right tackle in the league, full stop. So Full stop. Yeah. So that's, you know, like I just said, bookend's most important. But their interior, I think, also has a ton of upside. Eric McCoy was, is uh, young, highly drafted. Cesar Ruiz, I believe, was a first-round pick last year. So you're just giving these guys another year together um, with already good tackles, and that makes the guards play better. 
so I think that this has one of the higher upsides in the league if if um, McCoy and Ruiz can develop into top ten players at their position, then this is gonna this could be the best offensive line next year. Yeah, they're they're also a really well built offensive line, and um, they're gonna they're gonna need it for yeah. whoever <laughs> they decide to to throw back there. They're they're not throwing them back behind a bad offensive line. They're at least setting whoever their quarterback is up for success. So, um, and that's kind of a, a tease for what we're going to talk about after we get through these rankings. Um, but yeah, the, the the Saints have. I mean, they've had a off, good offensive line for the last few years now. Really, since the the Saints started winning that division consecutive or con, uh, yeah consecutively, and um, those years where they were going seven and nine every year, uh, that they, they did not have a good offensive line. And once they mm-hmm. were finally able to protect Drew Brees and, and uh, enable him to play at his best and at MVP levels, even though he never won the won an MVP uh, behind those those offensive lines or behind, during those years, um, they've really been able to to build something special there in new orleans yeah and i kind of i almost wonder if how much Jameis winston has developed and if he's kind of their secret weapon because you know they've got decent weapons they could use some help at wide receiver but with this offensive line if 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 he actually has developed he's going to be he's going to be dangerous you know he's through i believe close to 40 touchdowns his last year there with the buccaneers obviously through 30 interceptions but you give him potentially the best offensive line in the league and if he developed it was at all 30 even um it could have been i thought i thought that was just like they wanted to hit that threshold on each but it could have been but i mean you know you turn 30 of those interceptions into another five touchdowns you know uh, that's an mvp oh no, candidate 33 gotcha yeah and so. i think that i mean according to those around the the, the league they really they say that Sean Payton is the quarterback whisperer, and he's, he's really good at getting the best out of his, his uh, signal caller. So I don't know. We'll see. It'll it'll be um, be something to watch and pay attention to. I like Jameis Winston. I think that – I mean, he's a goofball and yeah. <laughs> an idiot sometimes, but he has definitely had the potential or has the – well, I wouldn't say has anymore. He's kind of been in the league long enough, but had the potential coming into the league to be something special and – uh, he probably won't hit that potential anymore, but he's still. A, I would say he's still the best quarterback on their roster right now, and um, definitely the one with the most experience and easiest to to integrate into being a full time starter again. Yeah, and and you know, just to speak to Jameis for, again for a second, it's I really respect the way he's handled this whole thing. Yeah. You know, especially with him, he always kind of came across as a little bit of a diva and kind of maybe a locker room issue. But he's, you know, he recognized there was an issue. And he has not argued publicly or anything about being the starter for New Orleans. And obviously, you know, with Drew Brees, you can understand a little bit more. But even with um, Taysom Hill, he hasn't, you know, come out and started trashing the Saints or anything. So I really respect his grind, and I I hope he gets another shot. Um, Maybe that's because he knows he is going to be the starter. Yeah, I I kind of do as well. Taysom Hill just can't throw the ball well enough to win. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... It's. I mean, you're just getting uh, what you got as far as your deep ball was last couple of years with Drew Brees, and he just couldn't push the ball down the field. Taysom Hill can't either. He's just a little faster and can move better. That's that's what you're getting. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not. 
I'm not a huge fan of the Taysom Hill experiment, but I mean, I'm not an NFL head coach and I don't get paid to make that decision. So what does my opinion mean? You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> um, I don't so, know. They haven't won a Super Bowl, so. That is true. That is very true. They can't even get past the NFC Championship game. Uh, moving on from the Saints, who do you got a two? Uh, two, I got the Rams. Um, <coughs> now, this is all predicated on um, Andrew Whitworth not falling off. He's ancient. He's Tom Brady tackles, but he was also a top five tackle last year. So, you know, you take what they're giving you. He's given us top five performances. Let's assume that keeps on going. Um, but the rest of their offensive line is very young, very consistent. They've been there multiple years now, each of them, and they all played at an above average level last year. And as we talked about earlier, this division has a ton of good pass rushers, even the Seahawks, who can't really generate pressure through their defensive line. They still blitz a lot and bring a lot of pressures, and these guys uh, still performed very well. Um, so there's no reason to expect it to fall off unless Andrew Whitworth takes a massive fall, which I'm not going to predict, just like you don't predict Tom Brady you know, no, falling yeah. off. So the, the only thing I'll say to that is he is – the I think he's the oldest left tackle in the the league. Like I don't even think it's close. Also, um, he did get hurt at the end of the season last year. He came back and played in the playoffs, but he did get hurt, and it wasn't a good injury. It was a bad injury that kept him. I, it was I don't even think it was at the beginning of the or at the end of the year. I think it was like halfway through the year, and he fought his way through it and came back to play. Yeah. Um. So that 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 is one thing I would worry about as a Rams fan is. Um, if he does fall off, your your offensive line is probably going to f- be match hit the same fate. They're 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 going to fall off just as as well. So yeah, it becomes uh, an average offensive line if he's gone. Yeah, yeah. So, but with him out there, they're one of the best, if not the best. So yeah, and you know it's it's um, you know practicing against strong pass rushers makes you better, and playing against strong pass rushers make you better. They probably have the toughest schedule in the league for that and you know they have to go up and block aaron donald aaron donald in practice so yep, try by fire they've passed it every single week they get to see him so um and like you said practicing against the best makes you really i wouldn't say it's the best i don't want to say that makes you the best because that's not always the case but it makes you pretty darn good yep so um the rams they're in a good spot uh going into the season especially with a new signal caller. So we'll, we will see how that turns out for them and if they can take the next step forward. Um, moving on to who you think is the best offensive line in the league, who you got? Uh, I think it's the Browns, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, you know, the, so some of the metrics I use to kind of figure this out, uh, just besides the eye test of watching last year, um, PFF grades, and I know – they're not a perfect system, but for offensive line, it's pretty easy to tell whether they succeeded or failed, especially when it comes to yeah. passing. Either you got yeah. beat or you didn't. Um, next gen stats, as far as expected run totals, you know, yards before contact, things like that. And what the Browns did last year was special. And everybody on this line was drafted, but um, White Teller and um, JC Treader. Their left guard and center. I'm confused. What, what, you said they were drafted? Everybody was drafted. Were but those guys not drafted? No, they were. were they drafted? were just they were like fifth, sixth rounders. Oh, I was like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, so so just okay. 
So just talking from like an upside standpoint, I got you. The fact that those guys got that high is impressive, and you maybe expect them to regress a little bit. But I think everybody else here is a first round pick, so they've got the upside. They performed well last year. Um, all of them were top ten in their grade and <clears throat> PFF grade, except for Jedrick Wills, who we talked about a little bit earlier, was a rookie. Um, it's going to take some time to develop, but playing on a line like that, he should do it quick. And, and he was okay. He wasn't terrible. No, um, he looked like – he had some flashes of being great. So, he, like, And that's all you really need as a rookie. Yeah, he, he had some flashes where um, he, he, he pancaked some elite pass rushers, made them look silly. And then the next play he got beat by that pass rusher. So, um, no, he, he might not have been great last year, but he was pretty good. Yeah, and – you know, Joe Petonio's 30, J.C. Treader's 30, but Jack Conklin, 27, White Taylor, 27, Jedrick Wills, 22. 30 years old on the offensive line is not terribly old, and it, I think it's still kind of the back end of your prime. So they've got four guys in their prime, a lot of high upside with most of these players other than the two I mentioned. Um, you know, what they did last year was special, to, to be honest, to go from one of the worst offensive lines um, – to, in my opinion, the absolute best. They p- played, um, let's see here, how many top-end pass rushers? Well, I know they played Frank Clark in the uh, AFC Divisional game, and that they uh, he didn't do much in that game. So no. there's that. Yeah, they, they played seven of the top ten pass rushers. Well, five of the top-end pass Watt rushers. Twice. Yeah, they played the Steelers twice, the Ravens twice. They gave up 11 sacks among the starters all season long. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Mean, yeah, considering that they played, I mean, some would argue T.J. Watt is the best outside, like uh, other than Aaron Donald, he's the best, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and they they didn't give up very many sacks to him. No, <laughs> so, and Baker Mayfield is not an athletic freak that can, you know, escape no. these guys. They they just no. performed incredibly well. They played, um, <clears throat> it looks like six top pass ru- or run defenses here. If I'm looking at this correctly, which I believe I am. And, you know, Nick Chubb was one of the best running backs in the league when he played. Part of that's him, but part of it's he had four yards to go before he had to make any kind of moves or anything. So these guys are special. Second year in the system, second year all playing together. And there's no reason to think these guys won't be number one at the end of the year again. Absolutely. And it's a long-awaited success that Browns fans um, are seeing this year and last year so. I they I'm personally I think they should be the favorite to be the, to win that division. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, some people are going to say, "Oh, the Ravens," but the the Browns overall have the best roster in that division. I don't they, think it's close. Now they might be my favorites to win the Super Bowl. I don't I, know about that. Last podcast, you know, we did our top ten rosters, and they were yeah, my number true. one. If that's true, if Odell reaches. Three fourths of what he was at his peak. There's not a weakness on this team. You know, we're going to go through the series. They're top five, and I think at least three for me, maybe four. Yeah, this team's special. If Baker, with his second year in in the same system, to be honest, since college, if he can take even the slightest step, he was one of the most efficient passers in the league. He just can't carry a team, but I don't think he's going to have to. No, he's he doesn't. He's not going to have to, and. As much as I would have liked them take somebody else in that draft as their quarterback or as a quarterback, but I mean Baker has other than that one year where 
Um, he kind of had a down year with with Freddie Kitchens, and I mean it was it's Freddie Kitchens, guys. Like, come mm-hmm. on, uh, it's Freddie Kitchens. Um, he looked he he's looked like the Baker Mayfield that you expect him to be, and um, he he's not he wasn't drafted to carry that that team. He was drafted to to be a solid quarterback to win a Super Bowl with, and I think they can do it with the right roster. And I don't know if they're ever going to have to pay him a ton because he doesn't put up the stats like a Russell Wilson or a, a Patrick Mahomes or um, those kind of guys. So, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's, they're going to have to pay him quarterback money. It's just I don't think they're going to have to pay him $45 million a year quarterback money. Yeah, it all so depends on. So it'll be a on... lot easier to build a it... roster around that. Mm-hmm. It depends on his play this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft one next year <clears throat> or yeah. the year after. But, you know, it w- I, I'll just be honest. I didn't like Baker Mayfield the first three years he was in, or the first two years he was in the league. Uh, first year, obviously, his personality rubbed me the wrong way. And the second year, he just wasn't good. But he's never had the same offensive coordinator. And to be honest, he's had two of the worst head coaches in NFL history. So yeah. you saw what he did with who I would say you could say is average to good head coach in Stefanski. Um, maybe this year he'll move up a tier in that. But, you know. That's how well he performed in his first year there. He's with no offseason because of COVID. He's going to have a full offseason, an entire second year, the best offensive line, the best tight end duo, in my opinion, the best running back duo, potentially the best wide receiver core if Odell takes a step forward. Like he, he Yeah, if he gets the back to what he was, definitely they they're definitely a top one of the top uh, receiving cores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this All team right. is special in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um Moving on to my one question I have for you about these five groups of uh, – I can't think of the words. These five uh, offensive lines, I, I just say that. These five <laughs> offensive lines. Yep. Three, maybe four of them will, uh, will have a new signal caller behind them this year. What do you, what do you feel – having a new guy behind them how affects their synergy and then do you think that these groups have the ability to kind of elevate the play of their quarterback that they're protecting and make them play better than than they really are yeah so i think the big thing when you're looking at that would be how the quarterback plays you know like we talked about if the quarterback moves around a lot that's going to make the offensive line's job harder you know they want you to stay in the pocket and they want you to rely on them Carson Wentz is a little bit mobile, but I don't think they're going to try to do that with him this year just because of how rough last year was. So I think, if anything, he'll let that offensive line play to its strengths. Last year they had Phillip Rivers, obviously a statue. So I think they'll be fine. Um, with the Saints, they've played with Taysom Hill for a few years now. And even Jameis Winston, yeah, he can move around a little bit. So I think they'll be okay. Uh Rams, Matthew Stafford's in his 30s. He can move, but, you know, he's not going to be, scr- you know, intentionally scrambling or whatnot. And, you know, with Andrew Whitworth, you know, it's probably best if he stays still and just shuts people down with his technique and size. Um, so I'd say that the biggest issue for me would probably be the 49ers if Trey Lance starts to play. Um, obviously, they're terrific at zone blocking. That's not quite the same as a pass play breaking down. And their quarterbacks move a lot on their pass plays anyway, but, you know, when he runs a four, 
I think it's a four four. You know, it was a four five. Was it okay? But well, it's still faster than Jimmy G runs. So you yeah, got to get that. Absolutely. You got to you got to get to your spot quicker. Um, so we'll see. I I think all these teams will be fine in that regard. But the 49ers would definitely be the one, just because everything is so much faster with Trey Lance back there than Jimmy G. That yeah, they're gonna have to speed up their clocks too. But yeah, they're professionals and they're in the top five for a reason. So I think they'll be all right. Trey Lance did not run a 40-yard dash at his pro day, but he's fast, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm more interested in the Saints and the Niners just because. They're gonna. The Niners have the. I mean, they probably will have him playing behind them at some point because Garoppolo can't seem to stay healthy for a full season. Yep. So, kind of how they are able to integrate him into the program, pro game, and really help him succeed, uh, keeping the the pass rushers off his back and um, allowing him the time to to make his reads as he as he needs to and not make him rush into any decisions he doesn't want to make. Yep. Um, and then for the Saints, kind of how it'll feel going from a Hall of Famer to uh, a not Hall of Famer <laughs> and seeing how they really um, react to, to having to protect a, a, a quarterback that – doesn't have the pedigree, pedigree and the, the, the say in the offense that Drew Brees would have had. Um, that, that, that's another thing that I'm, I'm keeping my eye out for uh, going into this season. Yep. And, and, you know, Drew Brees, and, you know, we saw it with Peyton Manning. They called out a lot of things. They see the field different, and that can help an offensive line for sure. So it'll be interesting. Um, but I think – you know, it, what they're doing with their quarterback room is odd, but at it least is. it's consistent. These guys have been there for two years now. Uh, Taysom Hill obviously has been there for a lot longer. But I would not say that Jameis Winston this year or Taysom Hill this year is any worse than Drew Brees was last year. I think he probably retired a year too late. And I don't blame him. Give it one more shot. But, you know, his arm strength just was not there last year. So. Right. I think they'll probably get a little bit better quarterback play this year. Um, and, you know, their offensive line is still mostly young, so I feel like they'll be adaptable. And that's a, that's another reason why I just think they'll, they'll go with Jameis Winston. He has – I mean, not only does he have the experience playing it as a starter, he's he has the ability to – like, he, he has read these defenses before, so, like, mm-hmm. he'll – that that's something that he can bring that Taysom Hill really just can't bring um, as a starting quarterback, and it sucks for. I think Taysom Hill should move to tight end or something, do something that get away from the quarterback position because it's hard to become a starting quarterback when you've come in like when you got your roster spot as a gadget guy, and I he just isn't special enough to th- throwing the ball and I don't he hasn't really had to to read defenses that that much yet so at least pro defenses I'm sure he did in college but pro, he hasn't had to really read pro defenses so um I just nah. think that it yeah, makes more sense to go with Winston yeah I mean it's pretty much Sean Payton telling him what to do with the ball every time he gets right. it and that's the point of a gadget player so exactly and we, it kind of feels like he's a slightly more athletic Tim Tebow. 
from what we saw of t- uh, Tebow's career ten years ago, and I don't even know if it was ten years ago, maybe eight years ago. I don't know, but um, it kind of feels like the same sort of de- usage. And I mean, Tebow ended up winning a, a, the starting job, and look where he ended up. He just didn't it didn't pan out for him. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes for the Saints, but. I really do expect them to end up going with Jameis Winston just because it makes the most sense. Yeah, it's the easiest transition from a Drew Brees. Yep. Um, so that's going to wrap up our uh, position group offensive line uh, episode. We are going to be uh, hitting – I want to say we're going to go I'm – putting, I'm putting this on the paper right now. We're going to go offense first, then defense. We're – I was thinking of going maybe offensive line, the defensive line, and then receivers, and then no, that's just too confusing. We're gonna go offense, hit the entire offense, and then go defense, and then hit the entire defense. So that's that's the plan. Um, so next week we will go with um, we'll do pass catchers, but we'll kind of split it up to where we'll talk about wide receivers and tight ends separately. Um, yeah. It might be a little bit of a longer episode, but um, it'll, it'll it'll be fine. So. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be hitting pass catchers uh, next episode. So we will uh, catch you in that one.